0: Good morning. Good morning. I was sitting back here thinking that uh, I had summer school, session one. Thank you. And it ended Friday. And I'm thankful that I don't have school today. Um, we got out like the 12th of June, 13th of June, turned around had a few days off and we started summer school. So I teach driver's ed in summer school. And then I finished that Friday and I'm down here today. So I sit back here thinking, I'm glad I can be in this God's house with God's people and God's book. I don't have to <clears throat> worry about changing the oil in my car today or doing all the tasks that are around. I can just, for the next few minutes, I pray that uh, we can just do something together, and that is enjoy what God's got for us. The theme this year in this camp, uh, well, let's see. Y'all remember what the theme is? Checkered flag. Okay, checkered flag faith, and that means I want you to finish well. Apostle Paul says, I fought the fight. You know, I've ran the race, i finished the course. Today's Tuesday morning, the 16th, and I want you to think back with me last night, quick review here. We showed some flags, and you say, okay, I got that, and then I took those flags and used them for a little bit of an example. So next, how many disciples went fishing? What'd y'all say? There were seven disciples that basically showed up and went fishing, and that was John 21. And I'm not saying they all quit and went back to the old way of life, but in a way they did. Peter says, I go fishing, and basically six more says, wait, we'll go with you. He took seven out of the 11 with him. Boy, that was the devil's fine opportunity to say, if I can get these seven to give up this church that God wants to plant really on earth, it's going to be over before it starts. So I know he's coming after these guys. Total of seven disciples that went fishing. Next, throw up uh, the flag. The church had stopped, or these disciples had stopped. They had... Let's go back to the old way of life. Why? It's a lot easier. You want to fish or you want to fight? Um, they just said, I just want to go back to fishing. Judas Iscariot got a black flag because why? He is, what's black flag mean? You're disqualified. disqualified. He's, he's gone. I feel sorry for someone like Judas. He walked three years with Jesus and still wasn't saved. That means a lot of people go to church all their life, but guess what? They're not saved. John 21 gives the disciples another chance to start. Sort of cautiously, they step out in faith. And the next thing you know, Acts chapter 1, all the disciples are there. Okay, All the disciples are there, so they get a brand new start, which is cool. So turn to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to pick up right where we left off and show you that today... I just want to warn you, Paul does this on the last night of camp. He'll call you up at the campfire, and he'll pray. And if I could summarize his prayer, um, Uncle Paul can correct me if if I'm wrong, but uh, mainly, he wants you to fight the good fight. He wants you to finish the race. He wants you to keep your faith, because he knows that you're going back into a, not necessarily hostile environment, but... I've been at camp before and someone accepts Jesus and they want to go back and they say, well, my mom and dad are divorced and my mom's living with her boyfriend and basically my her boyfriend doesn't really like me too much and mom sort of sides with him more than me. And I feel I'm talking to somebody that, uh, you know, your age, it just feels like, wow. And I want to go back to that. It's not going to be easy. But if you go, God goes with you. And I know you think it's corny that Paul says, Uncle Paul says, get out there and have a quiet time. I'll read a verse that just seems like, mm, this hits me. This is what I needed today. This is what's encouraging to me. Well, these disciples are not going to have it easy. But yet, their kind of faith is one that I want to pattern. Jesus leaves and leaves the disciples in charge. Acts chapter 1, Jesus goes back to heaven. That's where he came from, right? So Acts chapter 1, he goes back to heaven... And he leaves these guys in charge. Acts chapter 1 verses chapter one, verse 12 through 14 right there. I want you to notice who's there. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they had been staying. Those present were, and read their names, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew. James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Well, who's Jesus' brothers? He's had two brothers. I can remember James and Jude. The book of James was written by Jesus' half-brother. Jude got the other one. Jesus' own brothers didn't believe who he was until he was buried, rose again, and now they believed. They were latecomers to the faith. So those people are there, and there's the names of the starters for Jesus Church. Okay, if I told you, this would be tough, if I told you on uh, June 6, 1944, bit of history here, they had D-Day. Anybody ever heard of D-Day before? Yeah, good. I'm proud of y'all. Y'all got your hands up. So D-Day, my dad was on uh, Utah Beach. He's in heaven now, but he was on Utah Beach. And Utah Beach was supposed to take about 15, 20 minutes, and it did. And my daddy would downplay that. He says, well, I was there on the third day of the invasion. So, in other words, I went in big danger. And yet my dad later told me, he says, I, he was a motor pool sergeant. So they put a truck together and they were driving down the road. And he was sitting at the right side and his friend was driving. They switched drivers. My dad got over here on the right, on the left side, driving a truck. And then they were driving through, I think it was a town, sort of like Salo, France, Saint low. And all the way, boom, there went a shot rang out and a sniper had shot from the side and killed his friend in the front seat. I still think it was dangerous, don't you? And that was third day in. So, it's dangerous. But what if you had, and I, General Eisenhower told him this, basically if you could summarize his little speech, to Mars D-Day, the day before, tomorrow's D-Day, some of you will be, those that mount the cliffs there in Normandy and move in. And some of you tomorrow will what? You'll die. Some of those soldiers thought, we got to be ready for this. Mentally, they now know not all of us are going to make it. Wow, that's scary. I heard a person that was on Normandy the first day going into the beach, Omaha Beach, which is called Bloody Omaha. I heard his story. I would call it a testimony He said, we were on a little boat. They pulled that boat as close as they could. Couldn't get too much closer. They had killed everybody on the boat. But the Navy was dropping the the soldiers off. They got really close. He said, they dropped down that gangplank and we were supposed to run off. He said, they dropped the gangplank and bullets zipped. zipped. They raised the gangplank up. He said, we dropped it again. There come the bullets. And the sergeant turned and he says, this third time when this gangplank drops, what do we have to do? we got to leave the boat. Guys, we can't stay on here. We came to give liberation to France. We came to free people. We came to to do what we're doing right now. Plank drops, they run off. Some of them died in the water before they ever got to shore. What's that got to do with this? If I could give a D-Day speech to these disciples, what if I looked and said, some of you disciples will not be here in a few weeks or a month or so. I mean, this is a hand-picked 12. You can't let one of them be killed. Well, green flag. Everybody's going. Chapter 1, Acts. Yeah, everybody's excited. Acts chapter 4. Just turn over a couple pages so they are meeting daily. Matter of fact, I didn't mean to skip over this. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. They replace Judas Iscariot with a man named, did y'all catch his name? So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barcebus, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Matthias got the vote and he replaces Judas Iscariot. How would you like to be Matthias? Matthias, you've received the vote. You get to be with these 11 disciples. And he's walking into a crowd of James and John and wow, there's Peter and Simon, he's probably in all of them. Like I get to be one of you. So they replace Judas Iscariot. The Holy Spirit just fills them. They're excited. Peter goes about chapter three. Peter heals a crippled beggar. Peter speaks to onlookers, and you say, "Well, it sounds like everything's great." Chapter four rolls around. Chapter four, verse one: The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking in the temple. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000. Some people who hate mega churches, like, I just don't like a big church. Well, I'm not thrilled with them. I got my church plant, and it's about 45. But if you hate large crowds, you wouldn't have liked that beginning church and you know God was in this. Peter preached the first message, 3,000 people got saved. Here it is a chapter or so later, they got 5,000 people. I think they're meeting in people's homes. What do you call that in a big church? That would be a small group. So they got small groups all over Jerusalem. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest family they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question him. By whose power or what power or what name did you do this? Peter, this is a guy that denied Jesus. He stands filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, see he got in trouble for healing the man, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, he doesn't hold anything back. You and everyone... Else in Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man now stands before you completely healed. Got the crippled man standing there as you know, it's an object lesson. He is the stone you builders rejected, talking about Jesus, which has become the capstone or cornerstone. Then he gives a great verse Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He just pours it on. Doesn't sound like he's denying Jesus now. Evidence that the disciples were strong in their faith and living for Jesus. Again, a green flag. Key verse salvation is found in no one else. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you say, I'll just do better. I'll just uh, it's not good works, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says. where it's not by works of righteousness that are we saved. But we're saved by what? It says Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you're saved. That wasn't that was a gift of God. It wasn't of yourselves. So God's grace and our faith, we put them together. That's the only name by which we can be saved. So everything's going great. Uh Uh-oh. Something might go wrong. Green flags up. Church is growing. Chapter 5. All you have to do is just go to the last part of chapter 5. I won't read a lot there. The apostles heal many people. If you've got titles in your Bible, you'll see that in verse 12, the apostles performed... I want to just show you something that you're going to think is neat, though. Chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You can say miracles. Great. Among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, look at this. People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Wow, they think if we can just get close to Peter. This is a man that denied Jesus. Man, he is green flagging it now. Crowds gathered also from the towns and around Jerusalem and bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. See, the apostles are doing miracles. Everybody's having a great, it'd be like revival. So wouldn't you know it, the devil cannot stand this. So the apostles are now persecuted. Then the high priest and all his associates and members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy, jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in jail. But during the night, I love this, during the night an angel of the Lord appeared or opened the doors, brought them out. He said, go stand in the temple courts and, he said, and tell the people the full message of this. So at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, began to teach the people. But when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. These were the 72 high up people. And they went to the jail to get the apostles out. Having arrived at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and said, we, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering, hey, what would come of this? Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing out there in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles in. They They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. They're going to get mad. Having brought the apostles in, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, the name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And are you determined to make us guilty of this man's blood? It's like you keep telling people how to get saved. Amen to that. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as the prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us, we got to obey Him. When they heard this, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. But a man named Gamaliel stepped up and he says, wait a minute, he told the Sanhedrin, he says, better think about this. If these men are preaching in a name that nobody really cares about, just give it enough time, it'll die down on its own. But if these men truly are of God and you try to kill them, what will happen to you? I think God will kill you. You can't stop it if God's behind it. So they wisely said, okay, we won't kill them. And they let them go. But I want you to see another verse in uh, chapter 5, verse 41. I know we have chapel every day this week. You say, boy, that's a lot of church all in one week. Well, look at chapter 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering. Disgrace for the name of Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Sounds like to me green flags are going up. They had a few cautions, but for the most part, the church is persecuted in chapter 8 now and scatters. Uh, The devil cannot stand it growing, so they go through some birth pains and. uh, some of the people who are believers in Jerusalem leave and go out to the surrounding areas. So the church is persecuted. And I finally, I've got you under the caution flag because they now say, we are still going to preach, we're still going to teach. And this is describing what I do at Salem High School since I'm a teacher there. I let people know that the Lord is the Lord of my life. I mean, I talk about Jesus all the time, but I'm cautious in the fact that... uh, I bring him up uh, when I can in conversations. Like I left on the last day of uh, summer school Friday. I sat down at the table. They gave him a break. And I was talking to some of the people in my class. And I said, you know, next week uh, you might go on vacation, but I'm going to go to a Bible camp. See, I'm not preaching. I'm just letting them know. I'm going to go to a Bible camp. The two girls I was talking to, they said, you know what? We are too. I said, really? Where are you going to camp? And one of them said, I'm going to uh, Word of Life camp in New York. And the other one said, well, I'm going to Maryland to a camp. I said, well, that's cool. So y'all going to Bible camp? Yeah. I said, I'm going to Bible camp. Uh, I said, what church do you go to? And they said, well, we really go to a church plant. I said, I'm the pastor of a church plant. We planted it eight years ago. Oh, well, that's cool. Ours meets at the YMCA. Another one said, ours meets at North Cross School across town, but we're finally getting into our own building. I thought, wow. So I'm talking to people going to Bible camp. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about church planting. See what you do by speaking up? I'm cautious. Now, I did not get up on the first day of summer school and say, is everybody in here saved? You know, I can't do that. But on the same end, I can talk to them at break, and I can be cautious about my faith, but I can't be quiet. So the church is being hammered by some people, and Jesus wants to get rid of one of the people that are hammering them. Some people are just going after the apostles. They're dragging them out. They're putting them in jail. One of those people is Saul. He's in Acts chapter 9. And Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus, gets a hold of him, and Paul, Saul was his call then, gets saved, and that took away a lot of the persecution. But, oh, it's still there. Then two flags appear. What two flags will appear? Two flags appear. So Paul's at least saved and the church is still growing under the caution flag at times, but they're growing. And now we arrive. Let me see if you were paying attention last night. The man who Jesus got a hold of, he went back and told his brother. Who was that first man? Andrew. Andrew Andrew went back and told? James. Andrew went back and told his brother? Simon Peter. They're brothers, Peter and Andrew. Now, there were two other brothers. and That's probably who you're thinking of. There's two other brothers. They were James and John. I don't know what order Jesus picked them in, but if the Bible lists them in the order, we got Andrew, Peter, James and John were coming up. Well, if we read in John chapter 1, it was Andrew and Peter, and then they threw in a few others before we got to James and John. But Andrew's mentioned... I really think James and John had to be in the top few. I don't know what or they are picked in, but I will tell you this: there were twelve disciples. Jesus soon had three disciples that he counted on a lot. Now, can you name those disciples? Peter, Peter, James, and John. That's called the inner circle. In a race, when they when they finish, they call it the winner's circle. And the tire will sit there and just smoke tires for a while. And the champion of the race, we're in the winner's circle. Well, I don't know if I want to call it the winner's circle, but out of the 12, Jesus picked the three, Peter, James, and John. Now, you might think then nothing would happen. And by the way, out of Peter, James, and John, John was Jesus' best friend. Where do you get that from? I can show you the verses in the Bible. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John. All the disciples suffered a martyr's death except John. He wrote the book of Revelation. But Peter, James, and John, and James and John, Peter was a spokesman. Just read through Acts at every other page it seems like Peter's sending. Let me take James and John. James and John. Watch what happens to James and John. It's going to be scary, but James and John are going to have something happen to them. Now, I wanted to give you this today because sometimes when things get tough or it gets aggravating, you. Are tempted to say to Jesus two words that are coming in the form of a question. Why me? Lord, why, why do things happen like this? In other words, if I'm a Christian, why don't you take up for me? Why don't you make it smooth sailing? You're telling this to Jesus, who was spit on, beaten, clubbed, and crucified. And you want it easy. Talk to Saul, who later became Paul. Paul was shipwrecked, beaten. He threw outside the city one time and was left for dead. That's basically a rubbish pile. They just threw him out there, came back to life, and walked back in the city and talked to him. That'll sure put a power behind your witness. Hey, I'm the guy you killed yesterday. Just thought I'd come back and talk to you. So there's some power. Lazarus, Jesus raises him from the dead. And Lazarus starts speaking. You know what people want to do? You be quiet or we'll kill you. Lazarus probably just smiles. Go ahead and kill me. I'll be back So here's what happens. And this encourages me to know that when things get a little tough, I'm not immune from that for my faith. Acts chapter 12. And if you're not careful, you're going to look at this as a speed bump and you're going to go right over it. The Bible says something that is, I would give more attention to it. Acts chapter 12. It was about this time that King Herod, arrested some who belonged to the church. He's coming after you now. Intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John. What do you have? Keep reading the words. What do you do? What do he do with James? He put him to death. Now, if that doesn't put a damper on the rest of the disciples... Can you imagine the phone ringing? Peter goes over. Yeah, working in the church office. I've got to get back on it. Yeah, go ahead. What? Peter, who was it? They just killed James. And John comes over and it's like, clears, throat> clears his throat. Tears are running down his face. What? They killed your brother. What do you think right now? You're John. How you feeling? God, I'm your, Jesus, I'm your best friend. You're the one, the disciple whom Jesus loves. That's me. Why did my brother die? If you don't think that that's tough, you, I don't want to hear that because that would, might embarrass you. I don't want to hear it. But if you ever said why to God? Raise your hand. Come on, is that? My nephew Timmy died at 40 years old. As soon as I heard that, I put up the phone, I went in the bedroom, closed that Why? Because that's, that's where I like to go. That way my wife won't hear me. I went in there and said, what are you doing? That's what I said to God. You can create the world in six days. You can raise people from the dead. And, but but this time you messed up. God let me be aggravated or mad there for a minute. And then I said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to fuss, but I don't understand what you're doing. He said, do you remember what Psalms, I mean, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? What? Trust not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and He'll direct you past. Don't lean on your own understanding. You don't understand what I'm doing, so you just trust me. And I say, okay. But there for a few minutes, I didn't like that. My daughter-in-law, Lindsay, is a chaplain in the Air Force. They were living in Auckland, New Zealand. My son Andy and Lindsay are in Auckland, New Zealand. Andy goes down to Osan Air Base in South Korea. So they're busy. They're having a good life there and being blessed and i got a call one night and we know lindsay's family and lindsay's family knows us and i can still remember we're sitting at a cafeteria called k and w and uh andy, andy looks over and says um well, we got some news and jenny and i are there and michael and ginger the lindsay's parents and her sisters she says uh looks at andy and you gonna tell them we're gonna move. You're in Roanoke, Virginia. We're gonna move, and I went. We're holding our breath. Where are you going? Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> what? What? This is on Saturday. I'm thinking. When are you leaving? Monday. <laughs> You're leaving in two days. Andy's my he's my buddy, and he's run PowerPoint back here for him. He's been to camp right here. And he came down his first year, I think, when he was four. Runs with his dad all the time. Andy's 36 now. So I think, Andy, you can't move. I'm going to miss you. But they move. And they go over there in faith, and they're living and doing a great job. And I get a phone call one night from a neighbor that says, tells me some news. I now have to turn around and tell Andy. I call, and I said, uh, Andy knows it's tough if I'm calling him in Auckland, New Zealand. I said, Andy, is Lindsay in the room? he said... No, she's not. What is it? Means he's dead. Michael had a heart attack and died. He came back home and he's a young man in the mid-50s. He comes back from work, sits down on the couch. His wife Ginger says, Do you mean to let's go fix dinner or let's do this? And he says, No, I just want to rest here a minute. She said he lays his head back and he was gone. I said, Andy, uh, you got to tell Lindsay that her dad died. And he's like, okay, how would you like to be the bearer of that news? That's Lindsay's dad. That's, that's Andy's father-in-law. So Andy says, all right, I, I got this. And he goes and he sits down and talks to her. He gives her an odd, exam- an odd example, but only Andy could think of this, I wouldn't be that wise. Andy sits down and tells Lindsay, he said, you remember when uh, Queen Elizabeth, she's now the queen, but when she was a young woman at 23 years old, she and Philip, her husband, were vacationing and, and she got a call and they said, uh, Elizabeth, you've got to come back to, to London, England. Why? You're the queen. Well, the only way I could become the queen is if, oh no, your dad's passed away. So she goes back home and she's now the queen and her dad had passed away. And Andy said, Lindsay, we got to go back home. Much like Queen Elizabeth, your, uh, your dad passed away. They fly from Auckland, New Zealand and get here and we it's almost like you're in a numb feeling. Now I know I've painted a picture and you say, well, oh, it's sort of sad that's why I'm trying to give credit to this right here. They don't even, they just like a speed bump. Here's what Herod said. He goes and has James killed. That's not enough. Then he goes, and he says, I can just picture Herod says, yeah, let's just kill him. No thought about it. <sighs> He's gone. The crowd goes, yeah, we love that. Herod goes, yeah, if they like that, let's do it again. Go get Peter. This is Peter, James, and John. We're going to wipe out the inner circle. These are the head honchos. James is dead. But then, this is how dumb things just... Perry's going to bring him out and kill him. Wait. I, I can imagine somebody going up. You, you can't kill him. It's the Passover. The Passover, anybody know? remember the Passover? That's the Jewish time of the year where they bring a lamb into town. People from all over the area come into. They sacrificed the lamb. Remember that was, Jesus had the first Passover with his disciples where they ate the bread and drank from the cup. That's a Passover. So it's been at least a year since Jesus was gone because when Jesus died on the cross, it was Passover time. It's at least a year later. So King Herod, who's, not, who's vile and ugly and mean and cruel and just kills somebody, says, okay, yeah, you're right. We can't kill him. Uh, let's wait until the Passover. Let's wait for a couple days and then we'll kill him. Don't you think that's weird? He won't break a law That'd be like I go in and rob rob a bank, grab the money, I've killed two people, got in the car and I'm driving along and somebody says, wait a minute, don't speed. Oh, I'm sorry. Slow down. Mm -hmm. You've killed somebody and robbed a bank, but you won't speed. Here, I can't kill him. It's the Passover. So he puts him in jail with full intent of doing this right here. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which is the Passover. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to the guard to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each, 16 guards on him. John Dillinger wouldn't have this kind of coverage Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Might have to week or so, but then we'll kill him. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now we just skipped right through that. James died, and we just like, okay. James, the brother of John, died. Peter's in prison. The church goes to work. Two flags appear. Saul's conversion, everything's great. Church is growing, although a caution flag comes out. But now we're going to get something that's a little bit different. Let's see what two flags appear. About this time, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, a brother of John, put to death. What flags? It's over. Life stops for James. But I know as soon as he walked into heaven, Jesus gave him that kind of flag. Yes, life is over on earth, but you checkered flag in heaven. You have finished the race. Well done, James. Jesus pats him on the back and says, you helped get that church going down there. You were vital. The checkered flag finished for James, but... Sadness for the rest of the disciples. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So now the caution flag for the church again. I bet you that whole church like, you better be careful. James is dead. Peter's in prison and Herod's coming after us. Well, I guess that stopped him. No, it didn't stop him. I'm proud of the early church and the backbone that they had and their faith in God. By the way, who can we get rid of who would stop this persecution? Satan. Uh, well, Satan's working through somebody. Who can we have get rid of on this? Herod. We can get rid of Herod. You say, that's going to take a miracle from God. You want to read the last part of chapter 12? Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there for a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and now they joined together and sought an an audience with him. Having secured the support of a a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On that appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne, delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of God, not a man. They're just bragging on Herod. Immediately because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was, I know this sounds gross. He was eaten by worms and died. That's God's nice way of saying, Do you want to keep messing with my church? Now who's under the caution flag? I think the royal family. Don't you be messing with that church. Peter escapes from prison, by the way, because of prayer. If you've never prayed for somebody before, I bet you these people are praying earnestly. Oh God, you've got to deliver Peter. James is already gone. They never gave up on God and they prayed. All at once, a knock on the door. <laughs> Rhoda, the servant girl, goes over and she uh, has this little thing, looks down and goes, oh, close the Bible. It's Peter. You know what somebody in the group says? I'm paraphrasing. Them. They said, it couldn't be Peter because he's in jail. But haven't we been praying that Peter would get out? Maybe God answered a prayer. Now nah, it couldn't be that. It's him. They said, "No, it's not him. It's his ghost." Herod's probably killed him, and now the ghost is showing up. It is you. Peter walks in and's like, "Why didn't you let me in?" We were afraid. How'd you get out of jail? Well, an angel of the Lord come in and touched me and uh, I got up and I thought I was dreaming. I saw, okay, sleepwalking. I come out of that change, fall gates open and I'm, I come out to the street after other prison. I went, yeah, I'm not dreaming. So I thought I'd come to this house. Didn't he know where to go? Came to a house full of prayer and then they finally realized that it is Peter and their prayers were answered and Peter's not going to die like James. By the way, he shows up There was so much commotion there. They just thought it it, it can't be him, and then they realized it finally is him. But Peter never stopped preaching. In the morning, great commotion there. Let me show you what happened to the soldiers. If you let a prisoner go under Roman guard, or you're supposed to be the Roman guards watching prisoners, what happens to you? You get killed. Yeah, they didn't do their job right. In the morning, there was such a great commotion, verse 18, among the soldiers. Who could have? What could have happened to Peter, they ask, after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him. He cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. You let him go. You're gone. How many guards did he just kill? 16. Herod's an ugly, vile, rude, sinful man. God finally put an end to him. Okay, is that the way it's going to be? You're gone. So what happens to this church? They're about ready to get out from under the The first missionary team goes out. That's why Satan did not stop them. I want to give you one more thing. The green flag came out. They formed a missionary team of Barnabas and Saul. And the first missionary team goes out. Satan didn't stop this church. Matter of fact, this church is now going abroad and sending missionaries out. Last picture I'll show you. This is Derek Redman in 1992. The Barcelona-Spain Olympics were going to be held and Derek Redmond's gonna be a a runner. He's from Great Britain, and Derek's gonna run this race. He runs the 400, and he's predicted to win, and everything's gonna be great. And just like the church, he's gonna have something go wrong. James was killed by Herod. Peter's put in prison. Derek has something go wrong. He's running laps, he's predicted to win. Everybody, it's just like a shoe-in. Just go ahead and put Derek Redmond down for first place, gold medal. And yet, Derek Redmond, as he's running, he rounds one of the curves and a searing pain goes up the back of his leg. He's pulling a hamstring. Matter of fact, he's doing more in pulling it. He's tearing it. You got a quadriceps in the front. You got four four muscles in the front. That's why they call them a quadriceps. You got the hamstring in the back. He grabs the back of his leg, that's the left picture. He goes up in the air and comes back down, and he's trying to limp. Crumples into the track, gets back up and keeps jumping around, and finally he says, I've got to finish the race. As he nears the other side, got about a quarter of a lap to go, Derek goes down again, and out of the crowd, this man comes through. As you can see, he's got a Nike shirt, and it says, just do it. And so he comes through the crowd, and they first try to hold him back, and then security finally says, go, and he comes out, and he grabs Derek, his son. He pulls him up, and he says, Derek, you can't run. You can't finish this. And he says, I got to finish no, you gotta, you're going to tear something. No, I've got to finish. And he says, Well, then we'll finish together. And with the help of the father, he puts Derek's arm around his and he said, Then we'll go. And Derek jumps and hops and is carried by his dad until he crosses the finish line. The crowd erupts. Because Derek was probably the slowest person to finish that day, although he was picked to finish first, he finishes. And now it's an inspiring story to others where Derek would not give up. Derek is sort of like the early church. He got beat, he got hurt, he goes down, he gets back up. But he says, I will finish. And with the help of the Father, God the Father, the early church survived. Well, I got news for you. I'm like the early church and you're like the early church. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are the church. Why? Jesus lives in me wherever I go. And when I go down on certain days and don't feel like doing stuff, God the Father comes over and picks me up and says, come on, Edgar, let's finish. Okay, I'll hop and limp, and pretty soon I finish. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, as we close today, help us to remember the early church did not have a pass card on things going wrong. The crowd usually hated him, and they, in spite of that, they kept going. Herod even stepped up and Turned up the persecution. He actually killed one of the early disciples. And it wasn't just anybody, it was James, the brother of John. John, who was closest to you, the disciple whom you loved, is what the Bible calls John. That reminds me that none of us are immune from things happening to us. And even though we walk close to you like John did, your own family can sometimes have things go wrong but John didn't give up and he kept going and Peter didn't give up and the rest of the disciples did and you freed Peter from prison and they just kept right on going they did not quit they didn't question you and say you've messed up they kept trusting you even through trials the story of Derek Redmond reminds me that we will fall but here's what 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, when I mess up, I fall. It's my own fault many times. Sometimes it's trials by you, but often it's just me. But I know if I confess my sins, you'll forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. Today, Lord, somebody's in here maybe has fallen quite a few times. Maybe they even fall because Satan tempts them to do something wrong and it seems like they fall often in the same area. Help them today to ask forgiveness of you and you'll cleanse them and pick them up. Don't let the devil defeat them. Give them hope. And then just like Derek Redmond, we'll finish with our arm around the Father. Jesus, thank you that you are the only name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. It makes it pretty simple. You said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to get to heaven but through faith in Jesus. So Lord, today, pick us up. Hold us, help us, heal us. Whatever we need done, help us just in faith say, God, I'm yours.